Yo, Joe Berg, we're back for another random grab bag of G.I. Joe chat and banter. My name is Steve. I'm joined by my oldest friend in the world. Hello, Robert. Hello, Stephen. Welcome to another episode, 257. What are we talking about today? The topic is called the Star Brigade story. Reason mm. being... And this is actually the brainchild of Robert. So the fact that he's put me on the spot to introduce <laughs> it is just a muscle memory, isn't it, Rob? You bastard. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Um, but I, I like to hear you, you know, say things in your... Scramble around. <laughs> <laughs> stumble. Stumble through this. But in a recent Hasbro Q&A, the question for Lenny and Emily was, what is the narrative of Classified? What is the story that ties it together? Like, all these designs, like, what... How do they play with each other? How do they interact? Is there going to be any kind of, I don't know, comic book or just a box back blurb? Will the website add any meat to the bones? I'm kind of riffing. That was going beyond the ambit of the question. But the bottom line is it kind of stumped the panel because there isn't. There isn't a narrative to classified. I suppose it imports whatever canon you happen to be in favor with um lenny did mention that the very tasty like photography and and the shoots that they use these these figures in kind of give a backstory like you can see with tiger force outback for example he was i don't know obviously in the jungle stalking around gets captured by a bat and a viper gets into kind of fisticuffs that dynamic kick <laughs> supported by the bat um <laughs> And Duke, similar story, is in the jungle. I don't know. Basically, that was that was that was the semblance of the answer. Yeah. So we decided to flip the script to a time where there was a very vivid narrative concocted on the file cards of a series of characters and figures and concepts that had absolutely no support, came out of nowhere, told a batshit story crazy, <laughs> batshit crazy story, and then just winked out of existence as the line came to an end. It is none other than the Star Brigade story. And I think this will come as a surprise to a lot of listeners. It certainly came as a surprise to me. Like, just, just what shit they were throwing at the wall to go along with Star <laughs> Brigade and, and hoping that it would stick. Rob, your comments, well, please. The well, the the barebones, well, once again, barebones information you can gather from the file cards does tell a fairly big story, and it feels like something that's been going on for a while. Like this file cards, very specific ones as well, kind of really do add to an overall narrative that they have going. Like Star Brigade is the next evolution of GI Joe. They've taken their battle from Earth into space, and it's GI Joe versus Cobra, and what they termed the Lunatics Empire. <laughs> That shit. What? <laughs> yeah, where did that come from and where did it go? Like what was what was anyone smoking back in the offices of Hasbro in 93, 92, thereabouts? And to once again address the, the elephant not in the room, Paul unfortunately is knocked out by our ever-present load shedding here in South Africa. Uh he oh, has yeah, the him. power inside him, but he doesn't have the power outside him to join us tonight and i'd yes. also like to give a warm welcome to the berg force live in the chats we got swordsman we've got a railroad we've got uh mc dj ac dc we've got 
Bob Squad. Outstanding. Thanks for joining oh, yeah. us, gents. Welcome. If you'd like to become a patron and join us on our adventures week to week live in the show uh, for as little as three bucks a, a month, <laughs> check out to patreon.com slash GI Joe I guess. It's, that sounds right. It's Something like that. Link in the description real, below. A real South African hero. Nobody actually <laughs> does that, right? When you rattle off an, uh, like a URL live, no, I don't no one like then like punches it, it into their like, phone. Oh, okay, I gotta go do this real quick. No, on, no, on the no one driving. enters. You don't enter a website in manually anymore, do you? You always find the link. Mind yeah. you, I just recently input hcc788.com because it's an easy one to remember. And the reason uh, I did that was because we're currently in the month of July and it's Cobra Convergence 6. Oh my I'd like goodness. to shout out the fact that, um, okay, okay, it was kind of on the outside of, of, of the, the collaborators, I guess, but I count him anyways. Dragon Fortress reviewed the Cyber Viper from Mega Marines and oh, Timur... Timmer, half the battle Timmer reviewed the Mega Viper. And it reminded me of a time when we both had our Mega Vipers, didn't like the lurid yellow and purple scheme, and decided, nope, we're going to customize this guy. We're going to take some characters. model paints. <laughs> and mine was called Red Star, not to be confused with the, the G.I. Joe Red Star. I thought it was a cool name for like a cybernetic bounty hunter dressed in red and black. So I gave him pretty much a Crimson God scheme. Yeah, um, and like black boots, red legs, um, red chest, black details, and a silver faceplate. Yours, you called Shadow Viper, I think. This is before I there was actually was. a Shadow Viper. Yeah, before that existed. Once again, we're stealing names from other things. But mine you was all did black, up in silver, black. And gold accents. Yeah, he was very cool. He well, still looks like that, about but a little today. bit. <laughs> yellow showing through eh? <laughs> yeah we didn't prime our figures before we painted them we just straight on brush onto plastic um but what what i was recalling and i thought it was quite innovative was the fact that you put like gold bands around his his ankles which isn't suggested by the sculpt at all it wasn't like a sculpting break that you chose to bring out in a different color you just yeah. totally just got inspired and were like yeah, I want to have his his, his ankles blinging. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna look so cool, you know. <laughs> he did too. I I, I yeah. enjoyed playing with him a lot more than I did Cyberviper. It gave them a new was... life, to be honest. We didn't have any of the the monsters, so mm. <laughs> our Mega Viper didn't have his canonic purpose. We just made these guys whatever the hell we wanted because we had a very vivid science fiction or sort of space bent thanks to Star Wars and Star Trek. And G.I. Joe were the best canvas, the most mm. suitable like cast of varied characters to use. You had robots. You had alien-ish looking dudes. You had um, the Dreadnoughts, which just made for great like cyberpunk scumbags that you'd find in some far-flung distant galactic bar. Absolutely. And we had tons of fun just even just playing Space Adventures where we just completely recast, you know, characters and they became their own things. And um, I think we've mentioned shifters once or twice, um, but we did have, there was at least one fully formed space uh, campaign, I think we did. Oh, yeah. It was like dudes and on, several, the, on the ship. Renegade, several well, that wasn't Renegade, ones. was it? 
No? We did do, yeah, the Renegades back then at least was a uh, science fiction kind of bounty hunter or mercenary like hired gun yeah, space yeah. story where we each had like these the hovercrafts. We just basically took G.I. Joe vehicles and made them fly. Hovercrafts now. <laughs> and they were used for, I don't know, taking, taking down... I suppose cash and transits or enemy convoys, stuff like that. Yeah. And your mom had a great table in her um dance studio, her home dance studio, that basically became the ship. We just attached like smaller little like stools to it and it just became like a whole big thing that we'd have to build every time we we played, because obviously this is the the base of operations. I'm glad you touched on that. We'll certainly like get further sink our teeth further into that that structure as we get into this topic. I mean it's typically it was it was definitely in the waters um, at Hasbro around about the same time because they wanted you to do that with your Star Brigade figures. This wasn't just like going to space in the Defiant. This was like intergalactic battle on like a Star Wars scale, like flying through the rings of Saturn. That sort of crazy <laughs> at crazy <Skirting>, speeds, <laughs> skirting black holes. Um, but I do want to take a quick diverging diverging path to address some of the news that has broken this past week. We're oh, really are you talking about the podcast. His Tank, are you? Is that what you're talking Why about? The, not? The, the new levels? Yeah. Well, Any absolutely. insights you'd uh, like to share? The price, over time, as they, as they introduce more levels, I think the price becomes less offensive. Mm. Because at this point, we've gone four levels up now, apparently. And you're not just getting the Hiss. You're not just getting the Hiss Driver. You're getting a variant hiss driver. You're getting a the female hiss character, mm. and most recently um, they unveiled Cobra Commander, a new version of Cobra Commander. Yeah, Mickey Mouse, but very yeah. much that classic Cobra Commander presentation. And I mean, I just I just laughed out loud and thought to myself, <laughs> well, guess everyone's snake supreme cobra commander design whether it's in black blue or light blue is about to shuffle its way to the very back of the display because i, I kind of feel sorry for any attempts to design new takes fresh takes on on classics because mm. when given the option i'm pretty sure most fans will def default to the classic design yeah, no, I think so too. And they've even designed his 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 cool little laser pistol uh, hair dryer, <laughs> which is a signature piece with him. And it's it's nice that he actually finally comes with it. Yeah, they've made it an actual holster instead of it just plugging naked to this back <laughs> backpack. But yeah, it's nice that the the backpack is a separate piece um, mm. instead of it just being this molded technological detail to the, the tunic of cobra commander because yeah at least in terms of the animation he was never depicted with it on his back so it's nice yeah. to have that battle tunic um clean on front and back he comes with a comic book inspired globe and snake but actually mm. actually it might be comic art but it was the commercial it was the commercial for the otari game i think cobra commander had that precise snake encircling the globe oh uh, yeah in the comic book he had a bigger globe and a bigger snake <laughs> it was in operation sea strike if memory serves issue number eight 
in the Remember classic to correct era. Stephen in the comments down below, everyone. <laughs> Take me to task, <laughs> boys and girls. But yes, the, the commercial. It, and, and tragically, the commercial also features a hooded Cobra Commander saying, Cobra, uh, Cobra is looking for a few bad men. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, men only. Oh, no. It's the 80s guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's a handsome-looking picture of a figure. A lot of people are speculating that they're scrambling for a reward-tier reshuffle because mm. this this is just a picture. It's not like we've been seeing with the other rewards um, or the other tiers. Yeah, there's proper like rewards. 3D renders, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This it's is not It's just concept art. Like, oh, we were going to do this guy at some point. Let's just throw it at the hiss. Because how much do classified figures go for each? They're like $30? Yeah, I think they, they started at twenty two, then they got hiked up to twenty four ninety nine. Mm. Now a figure that comes with a bunch of swords basically is classed as a disgust, uh, disgust, <laughs> disgust, deluxe. <laughs> Freudian. I wonder how you it's feel about it. <laughs> it's classed as a deluxe, and it's going for thirty four ninety nine. Oh gosh. Well, if we say thirty dollars, so three four figures, that's one hundred and twenty dollars, and then you're paying one hundred and eighty dollars for the for the his tank, I feel like over time, if they if they keep introducing more figures, it just makes it less. It feels less expensive, I think. Sure. And I think that this campaign will continue to gain traction as it goes mm. on. And it's if, just say, a more you... complete package as a, you know as they unlock more levels. Yeah, and there is obviously the option to piece it out on the secondary market. Say mm. you've army built his tanks. In order to recoup some of that cost, you can shell off some of these Mickey Mouse Cobra Commanders. There will yeah, be a very, sure. very hungry market for them, I'll tell you now. But it being Mickey Mouse Cobra Commander speaks to its exclusivity as that deco. But it also tells me very quickly that they are going to get a lot of mileage out of the sculpts because the regular issue will no doubt be part of the, the classified numbered series. And probably mm. also... If they can squeak it past the the anti-plastic um, embargo, maybe on a retro card back, the regular chest uh, emblem. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. If it's not too late for that. It probably is. I don't know. They said they wanted, wanted to phase out all plastics by the end of 2022. So... Well, they still got time. They still got time. Let's <laughs> rush it through production. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> uh, I fear that no, that nothing can be rushed through production these days. But I don't know. Various companies have various methods and and have various successes with the, the current uh, climate, shall we say? I mean, everyone points to the fact that in a time where Hasbro come up with nothing but excuses for late product, McFarlane is going gangbusters. Like how much <laughs> McFarlane toys shit is clogging up shelves? Oh my goodness! C yeah, certainly on my side of the pond. New things, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's Lord. everywhere. He's yeah. well. Power to him, man. Getting DC in, in in his camp was a masterstroke. I mean, yeah. Think of how far this guy's come from cooking up comic book ideas on his own and and selling the shit out of the merch to now having a huge license, like like probably the biggest of all comic book heroes. I'd say Batman. so. Yeah. Mm. I mean, with the movie tie-ins as well, especially like, yeah. Well done, Todd. Printing money. Bloody hell. He really wants to make a Spawn movie desperately, a, pro a good one, I think. And he just needs all that money to make that movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, to flip the script, it, do you think he's really still 
all fired up with Spawn. Oh, I th- he, like, he definitely is. No, he's, he's trading still right baseball in the memorabilia. Oh, no, he? no, he's he's still right in the comic books. He's, he's even expanded into an entire Spawn universe. There's Spawn, there's Gunslinger Spawn, there's King Spawn, there's a, a female Spawn, there's Angel Spawn. There's a team, like an Avengers team called Scorched, which is made up of different variations of Spawn. So no, he's he's definitely, he's very much still heavily Spawn-focused. Hmm. And we have some of the cheapest ones on the market as well. Still at three dollars as well. Everyone else is selling those for four. So <laughs> amazing, amazing. All right, uh, and just crunching the numbers, as I say, to immediately date this podcast. <laughs> uh, if we to look at, wait, where is it now? Ah, classified series hiss on haslab.com. By the way. On the website, on the Hasbro Pulse website, they they put the his right next to Reva's lightsaber, which is <laughs> very cruel, I think. But yes, it is fully funded with 15,743 backers. Uh, the target was only 8,000, so they are almost double that. They are 37 days remaining to the campaign. Absolutely insane. Yeah. It's and I think cool. often they say, I mean, like, like you get a huge surge at the start. And a huge surge at the end. And I think also at the end is when retailers come in with all of their pre-orders. Anyways, <laughs> I can now share um, the delight that is the Operation Recall, which has also started up in this past week and is also steaming along. It has funded. Now it's just a question of how much it's going to fund and how many of these figures get unlocked there <laughs> forgive the totals on my uh you are on my web page it will show them in australian dollars but it has blown past its goal of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars by forty seven thousand now um it's at 167 770 oh, which means wow. which means that the first four figures are going to see production defos and that is breacher by Gabriel Magnum, who is an intervention specialist with a dog. Uh, Damselfly by friend Ted Terranova, which is an enemy aerial assault trooper. Ted is responsible for Action Robot Punch, to anyone who's familiar with that channel. Then we have Soul Eagle Guerrero by David Emmanuel Martinez, who is a luchador soldier. Cool. Looks Christ. very much from the G.I. Joe Extreme camp, if I'm to be honest, in terms <laughs> of his weapons. I think I think it looks like Freight, um, even in down to the pose that he selected, but I could be mistaken. Anyways, uh, we then have Cadaver by Chad Malcham LaForce, who is a silent infiltrator. And it looks like he has his own unique um, faction, if I'm to be honest, because he's got a symbol. Mm, very cool. So those four are available or will be available when this thing goes into production um if you are to go all in you would get one of each of these but what makes me very excited is as they reach certain milestones in the funding they will begin to add the next wave and the next wave and the next wave hopefully by the end of it a a complete wave of 16 figures plus Mm. uh who is Carson Metaxas's uh, radio man and <laughs> uh, homing pigeon um, set. 
plus an 18th figure, which we don't know anything about yet. So what? <laughs> it's an exciting, exciting project, guys, to see it culminate. I mean, yeah, these are so unique. These designs are each amazing. Uh, I'm delighted to note that Alexander Murrell, Jason Murrell's son, uh, Jason mm-hmm. Murrell of the Order of Battle podcast, amongst other things, he's known to the community, and so is Alexander for that matter, uh, has submitted a character called Shh, <laughs> which ah. is a, a ninja with a prosthetic leg. He's done a build of it using like 12-inch adventure team guys. I think it's a, uh, I don't know, not, not the million-dollar man. <laughs> whatever, the whatever the man, I guess. No, well, whatever the I forget, Mike Powers. That's it. Our sort of cybernetic leg plus uh, various like sort of black ninja parts. Um, that is the next one to be funded. I think that gets funded at one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Oh, so they're thirteen thousand off the mark for now, and it goes on and on and on. Uh, guys, I, I I implore you to even if you aren't prepared to with some, some cash just check out the, the kickstarter um and see the depth of creative designs that the fan base has provided like you know you've got guys in their 40s and 50s contributing designs along with guys in their early teens or not even 12 or 10 years of age it's tr- terrific so exciting they've really captured carson bless you man you've really captured what it was like to be a kid and come up with these concepts i mm. certainly enjoyed the exercise i i'd like to think you did too rob oh absolutely i had a fun time Coming i really enjoy can... the card backs because carson's done a mock mock-up card back actually probably the, the the card design has done a mock-up with the the outlines of all the coming soon figures so they've they've taken the designs, even the kind of the rather crude designs that that haven't been touched yet by the artists, um, the actual creators' designs themselves, and and given them the silhouette treatment. Awesome. That's so neat. Oh, I I hope this goes as far as it can because it's such a cool concept. Well, the only thing stopping it from going all the way and then like going into a second and third and fourth series would be, I guess our collective interest so i certainly hope that um we can keep up the momentum yeah man also very exciting to me and i don't know if other kickstarters have done this so forgive me if the 3d joe's was the wasn't the first off the mark but i do enjoy reading this kind of the budget section in kickstarter Uh, it's 44 to fifty thousand dollars and some change to produce a single figure that's in terms of the manufacture and the tooling and the creative development. So the total cost for a wave of, of four figures is like between $178,000 and $202,000. So it just makes me think when we were getting O-ring figures back in the day, like just in their droves, mm. like we failed to realize that each single individual figure was nothing short of a miracle. Like I think <laughs> of this project and the fact that like you you're paying now and you wait and you wait and you wait and it goes through all these stages of development and eventually at the end of all that spits out these treasured little 
little play things. I think mm. to myself, we used to take that for granted back in the day so much. Yeah, when it was coming out yearly with new figures, um, I think you guys mentioned it in your um, Iconicon uh, chat. Um, you know, like each year, like those figures would be there. Um, and then like two or three years later, they wouldn't be there anymore. Like they'd move on to the next wave and to the next wave of characters. And if you missed your chance to get them, you'd never get them again, you know, at least at the time before um, secondary markets were a thing. Yeah, mm. forever gone, forever gone. But I think also what it's probably cheaper though for big companies to make these because obviously their print runs, Absolutely. total recall is going to be very limited. I think the smaller your print run on things like this, whether it's plastic or paper or printing or whatever, it becomes a lot more expensive. But actually, it's way cheaper to produce hundreds of thousands of these things than it is to, to produce a very short run mm, of something. The unit cost goes down, but something to bear in mind, and I can't remember where I either heard this on, it was probably someone else's podcast, or maybe it was a conversation with a, a more financially minded uh, friend of mine, but... The thing about big companies like Hasbro is that there are many chefs, many employees, many people mm. like into whose hands the, the, the item needs to pass through to get merely a rubber stamp so that employee can basically justify their existence. It's like mm. everyone needs to get paid in this big company. So the costings go up simply because you, you're supporting such a big, big beast yeah um, so that also kind of makes the big companies not maybe the most efficient way of producing things if you think of how much stuff you're getting in say the robo skull kit just at the base offering like that's unheard of because huh? at the end of the day skeletron has to pay ben and uh mark ben and mark and their artists, their designers, has to pay, obviously, for the tooling, the manufacturing costs. But that's where the buck stops. They're not supporting a, a team of accountants and a, a CEO. Yeah, and secretaries a COO, and, and, and you know, people and clean offices. And, and uh, yeah, investors. Board. They're not a publicly listed company. They don't have to you know, announce annual dividends. Like, it's, it's smaller and it's, it's neater. But anyways, yeah, no, we're not sure. financially minded here on G.I. Joburg. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> if you can clarify in the comments, like, exactly how these things break down, well, I'm sure that will be an essay, but I'll be delighted to read it. <laughs> mm. Anyways, should we talk about things that we do know about? It. Oh, hell yeah, dude. We, we did a lot of research this week going into um, Star Brigade. Um, so the only, like, big like blurb information that you get across basically most of Star, Star Brigade is the is the blurb of where they kind of basically just lay out what is Star Brigade. And it goes something like this. High-tech astronauts race to space to protect the universe from Cobra and the Lunatics Empire. With specialized spacesuits and accessories, this cosmic clash is harder than the sun. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> So that's the, the basic information. Very so the you know, the key enemy is not Cobra; it's the Lunatic Empire. It's, essentially, it seems that way. It seems Cobra has expanded from Earth, um, and they've teamed up with um, with some intergalactic empire or like powers out there, and they're uh, yeah they're they're fighting us across all fronts, all planets in the galaxy, sometimes the universe. I put together a bit of a timeline stitched 
together from the information I gleaned from the file card. So I'll, mm. if, I, if I can recall the file card exactly, I'll uh, I'll drop the reference. But it seems that things kick off with the Star Brigade story with a scientist called Greg Scott. Now, Greg's been working on powered armor for use to combat threats in space for G.I. Joe. Destro mm. breaks into the lab, steals the plans or partial plans, and leaves poor Greg Scott uh, close to death. Using the technology that Greg helped pioneer, he's put back together uh, with the assistance of G.I. Joe's resident like robotics genius, a guy called Gears, and goes on to live again as Robo Joe. <laughs> Meanwhile, on Earth, G.I. Joe has finally defeated Cobra sufficiently enough that Cobra Commander needs to seek refuge in space. <laughs> so he sets about building bases on the moon to stage his, his further campaigns for, I suppose, global and now galactic domination. Mm. So Hawk puts together the Star Brigade team to go out and kick Cobra Butt in space, which I believe, if I'm to recall uh, Hawk's file card correctly, they succeed in doing. This is the Hawk that came with the, 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 the armor bot. Yeah, the in armor fact, his, bot, file, yeah. his file card says that they defeated Cobra on the moon before the armor bot even came into service. Like it says like, oh, I wish we had the armor bot when we were destroying Cobra bases on the moon. Yeah. Um, so the pre-armor bot, so there was a period before the armor bot. Yeah, mm. he literally says, quote, brutal battle to liberate the moon from Cobra, end quote. That's it. Meanwhile, Destro seems to be peddling his uh, robotic suits of armor from some kind of space armored fortress. It's mm. not clear where that is. If it's in orbit around Earth, I always assumed it was on the moon, but yeah. maybe it is a, a, a sort of a, yeah, a satellite base of some kind. I would expect Destro to have a sort of a separate digs. It kind of sets up the same dichotomy of like Cobra Island versus Destro's castle in Scotland. Like mm. Destro's always had his bolt hole. So it's nice to think that he's got this like weapons factory orbiting the earth somewhere. Mm. Cobra at some point in this timeline reach out to a group called the Black Stars. Now the Black yeah. Stars are ace pilots who might not even be human. So that's the first hint of like an alien race being incorporated into the G.I. Joe story. And they are being incorporated as like Cobra loyal uh, troops, space pilots, if you will. But at the same time, their supreme skill is inferior to pilots on the Joe team, like Space yeah. Shot. Who, Space uh, Shot, as... who is a... Known throughout the galaxy as a fly-by-night freighter pilot. <laughs> what? Yeah. Throughout the galaxy. And, and that's where Stephen's quote earlier came from, where he says uh, he, he f flies loads of cargo through the rings of Saturn for fun. Wow. And he makes Black Stars look like trainees, apparently. Yeah. Well, him and Sci-Fi, who has gone on from being an electronics engineer genius to being uh, the best fighter pilot in the history of space flight. <laughs> in my notes, I've <laughs> just got it as a shit-hot space fighter pilot. 
He's so good. In fact, he skirted a black hole and lured a squadron of black stars to their doom. Nice. It's absolutely wild. So, so Cobra gets it gets into bed with black stars um, to kind of like expand what he's doing. And I mean, is there more to the story than that in the timeline? There's nothing more that I could kind of like glean, at least. Well, without getting into the Lunatics Empire, we mm. there's some interesting bits and bobs there that we can glean as well. But I just want to make 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 mention of the fact that like in this telling of the GI Joe story. Not only are we traveling as far as the rings of Saturn with old uh, space shot, but the fact that there's a black hole somewhere in the galaxy that that is within reach, like there's no talk about hyperdrive or warp speed. I suppose it's assumed that these craft can like travel faster than light mm. because I don't know. You can't really sweat the numbers any other way. Like space travel is it? It, it can't be done. At, at, at regular speed. Well, they do mention, once again, on sci-fi, because um, he came with the Starfighter, that he's able to achieve quasar velocities exceeding <laughs> the speed of light. Oh, so okay. at some point that Earth, or I don't know, maybe with the help of aliens, I mean, they don't say this, but you could maybe infer this, um, they've developed space technology enough so that i mean also in space shots um Farquhar, they mentioned he's defended at least four space stations um from black star attacks and, and other cobra attacks so like at some point earth has kind of like expanded outwards and yeah earth has been saved from cobra but now they're also going galactic and we have somehow now part of a galactic uh community or or uh, you know trade routes or some something like that um maybe it's all very it comes, vague maybe it comes back to like that line thor has in avengers where he speaks about the tesseract has given the given the galaxy a kind of a um uh, the sense that earth is ready for a, a, a higher form of war and mm. so now we are in trouble with the black stars and the lunatics empire which seems to be a, by, by calling it an empire, it suggests that they are all on the same side. But the three examples of Lunatics aliens uh, seem to be at each other's throats, which is yeah. interesting. I mean, when you think of the empire or a galactic empire, of course, I think about Star Wars. I think about regimented stormtroopers and officers and TIE fighters and Star Destroyers. Yeah, it's like, one unified group. Yeah. Whereas in G.I. Joe, at the tail end of the line, in the swan song of, of our beloved action figure series, we had the Lunatics aliens, Carcass, Predacon, and Lobotomax, who couldn't be more, more disparate if they tried. They each had like a feature, <laughs> whether it's multiple legs, multiple arms, or <laughs> bend them. Really long neck. Very, very inventive. <laughs> Well, I mean, the year before, in 93, they, the G.R. line had attempted brand new, very interesting molds with figures like mm. the, the Bio Viper and the Monster Viper. Um, but this was their first actual like attempt at creating proper G.I. Joe scale figures, you know, from, you know, G.I. Joe scaling and molding. I mean, I think like the forearm guy, the only other version would be like the guy from Mortal Kombat. But it's something Goro. that they attempted. Goro. You know, with his cool forearms. But yeah, obviously just, there was no much. there was no mm. cartoon at this stage. Well, the, the DIC stuff didn't 
dare touch this. I think it, that was that was actually done <laughs> by this stage. Um, but the comic book did have for for a time uh, the Star Brigade band, branding sort of stamped on it, and in that story. A team of G.I. Joe Star Brigade members, thank you for, for reminding me, Darren. Um, a team of Star Brigade mm. members uh, are tasked with, basically, it's the, the same plot line from Armageddon, where there's a, <laughs> an asteroid that is, that is hurtling towards Earth, and the Star Brigade team are sent up to divert it or destroy it. Um, it has been sent into Earth, sort of intercept angle, by some kind of renegade scientist uh, who has populated with these mining drones, these robot mm. troopers, armed them and is using them for defense. And it winds up being a joint mission between G.I. Joe and, I suppose, the the now fallen USSR. I mean, they kind of talk about it a bit when they team up that, like, the the Soviet Union has collapsed and, like, this is this is the remnants of the October Guard. I don't know if you want to call them the new October God. October God sounds all very Soviet to begin with. So probably they they would have come up with a different name right about that time. But I, I remember most significantly Red Star introducing himself as Red Star and saying, yes, I got this code name before it became a political embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously case, Larry Homer tried to make was, sense of this, you know? Yeah, but at the same time, I wished he had them fighting Cobra on this asteroid and not some yeah. rando scientist with these mining droids. Well, I think he just looked at heroes. He looked at what they were laying out in the toys, um, you know, the kind of the lunatics empire. And he was like, I, I can't fit this into Joe comics. This isn't going to work. So uh, mm. they're, they're just, I'm just going to use them. They're going to space. They're going to fight drones. And they're going to come back. And then we're just going to forget this whole thing happened. <laughs> Yeah, so man. he made an attempt at it, but also like the far cars themselves sometimes feel like they're skirting around wanting to say it was galactic, while some of the other well, because some of the far cars are basically like, oh, they're fighting in the stratosphere above Earth, so they've kind of like moved a little bit further outwards. It's basically in you know helping protect planet Earth against the Cobra forces in mm. space around Earth. And that's more than I think in '93, but '94 they definitely went full out with them. Uh, you know, like planets in the deepest voids of space, and robot loves, you know, like wiping people out and in planet attacks. So it's <laughs> <laughs> at some point things really got absolutely hectic, um, and they definitely moved to space. But it's like, where did that happen? You know, like '92 we were all ground-based and then suddenly in 93 94 there was this complete disconnect from whatever came before and suddenly star brigade which seems to have like a long history of uh, understanding space you know and being a part of a much bigger uh, pond than we had been before in gi joe let's talk briefly about the toys ah. is there anything in the star brigade series that really calls your name rob i think I think like the, the, the concept of the Armatech dudes was very cool. I think probably my favorite one, um, because he, he just looked really slick with rock and roll. And he was one of the ones that had to both his arms. So that's what you might have to cool. defend you might have to defend your point a little bit that the Armatech <laughs> guys were really cool. Because I don't <laughs> I don't know what percentage of the listenership is gonna agree with you. Well, very cool is and they're not cool Joe Joe figures, but I think they're cool as in the context they're in they're in their space guys you know they're in these armored suits and 
They're fun for space battles. Yeah, they're definitely not fun for like you know the typical Jaijer fan, I think. Um, but they they le he leaned heavily into this whole Star Brigade concept of like we're going to space. Um, we've chosen a team of dudes. We've in introduced new characters. Robodro was new. Uh, effects was another character they introduced for Star Brigade, a guy who is good at explosives and special effects. Gears, obviously, who helped um, fix Robojo, um, and then Space Shot as well. So they were definitely trying new things with this, but they were also kind of relying on old stuff as well, because even by the second wave, they were already um, doing repaints of the same characters again. They weren't expanding on it. So I don't know what happened between 93 and 94 that there's new stuff, but there's also repeated stuff. Yeah, well, I think that was typical of the 1994 series. It was just like mm. re retreads for for a lot of the time. Uh, I I think we we misinterpreted a point that Mauler Joe made, our guest from last week made, ah. about the Armour Tech guys. He was inviting us to imagine them as typical O-ring articulation, like yeah. bulked out o-ring figures and absolutely i am here for that that would have <laughs> I been wish there was a way to better. i wish there was a way to kind of integrate that articulation to the pre-existing ones but yeah it's a totally different buck it's a totally different construction so it, it's baffling and it's sad that they didn't have conventional o-ring articulation because that would really have given these figures a second glance from like the diehard collectors who had stepped off by that point and now have yeah. come back to joe and they're like no, I'm not going to waste my time with this crap because you and I enjoyed <laughs> the hell out of them. And I'm going to add just a little bit more justification by saying that it was our pre-Iron Man, Iron Man trope. Like these mm. guys had integrated weapon systems into their armor. They had rocket boots. Like anyone who looked at the holes on the soles of a G.I. Joe and had a more sci-fi bent could have made any character fly. Yeah. <laughs> But at least it's with true. these guys, it felt like there was more architecture around their feet. It made so, more sense. Yeah, they they had these jet maneuvering thrust thrusters, and they were operating primarily in zero g or very low gravity environments, like on asteroids or the moon. And they were just our way of being able to play out these kind of like, I suppose, very tense, two thousand and one space odyssey kind of like stepping out the airlock adventures you know you're mm. in space the, the environment is the most hostile thing that's what's going to kill you like and you've got this protective suit but you're still like uh, alone in your very tight spacecraft basically <laughs> doing doing battle against uh threats in outer yeah. space yeah we had a oh, lot of man fun. we used to crash out on like like planets or asteroids and have to like explore very much like alien mm. you know, stumbling through this this alien land uh hoping hoping that uh, creatures don't attach themselves to our faces and kill us <laughs> like it was exciting man but let's get back to that um repurposing of the the table in the studio mm. uh, fortunately my my folks place had a nice spacious room that was left empty for the most part so we could fill it with furniture and basically build a freighter a giant vessel um because let's face it guys even if star brigade was able to produce its own spaceships they wouldn't have the size or grandeur required like something the size of the defiant is as big as you're ever going to get 
Yeah. Uh, and I think by 93, 94, even getting a Crusader shuttle re-release would have been ambitious to say the least. Like we got, <laughs> we got the Pogo and the Stellar Stiletto re-released and <laughs> we, had, we had to make do with that. Tiny but little vehicles. In terms of a big ship that Space Shot could, could pilot. Yeah, man, we used furniture. We used couch pillows and the backs of tables and chairs, like to just build up this structure. Uh, and it had multiple decks as a result. And mm. it gave you enough internal space. And this is probably my favorite, favorite trope to play out these kind of whodunits in space. Yeah, it was great. Like, you know, those episodes that you, you we can tell that TV show is kind of like playing it cheap and loose that week because it's on the <laughs> ship of the of the of the, the Enterprise, you know. That's where the whole episode takes place. But we really enjoyed playing those ones out. A long space voyage and a mystery to solve. Those were our favorites. Because we were often playing late into the night. We would put on some ambient music. Do you remember the albums that we used to home in on Rob? Probably some of the best ones was Aphex Twins Ambient Sounds, I think it was. Oof. That was a good one. Um, Resident Evil soundtrack was pretty good as well. Even for like non-horror stuff, I think space stuff was pretty good. And there was... So some of the, the, the discs for games on PlayStation could actually just be played as CDs because that's literally what they were. They were CDs. So I think mm. we played this, this, the, the CD for... Oh, what the hell was that game called? Wipeout. Was a, I think it was Wipeout. Yeah, Wipeout. And then there was another space game as well that I Jeez. had. Oh, man. I think I've got it on my PlayStation Mini now. Because <laughs> oh, I must. hacked my Mini. Um, <laughs> but I, the name escapes me. It was kind of like an RPG in space. Yeah, you like upgrade an RPG in ship. space. You'd, you'd, mm. Yeah. It was very basic. I mean, obviously, PlayStation. But the soundtrack was just this kind of like thrumming a throbbing like spaceness you know they kind of just filled uh, just filled you with like not just dread but like it felt like space um and the music in that game was very very good ah i should remember what it's called and of course if you dial the clocks two forward minutes. to 1999 we had two jedi knights uh, accompanying uh, us on these voyages as well so not only did we incorporate all the sci-fi and elements that gi joe could possibly throw at us and whatever references we wanted to, to make to Alien or Star Trek. But we also included the Jedi. Oh, dear. Yeah. They were typically like like just tramps that needed passage from one place to another. <laughs> I guess we weren't playing in that prequel sandbox. We were more like post-Empire times when the Jedi didn't have their own ships. But that was exciting. Obi-Wan, how are we going to get to the next party? As a new master, maybe we can hit a road with these guys. <laughs> is that a is that an oral notes reference I hear? It might be, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man. Those guys are the best. Um yeah. Check out oral notes. Oral as in like hearing. Hearing. Oral as in speaking, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oral notes, dear God. Um the oral notes on YouTube. They do Star Wars parodies, but they're very expertly recut, kind of like bad dubbing. They've added their own voiceover they've created their entire stories like just they've completely redone the entire prequel trilogy and the original trilogy um the and also they do very cool drunks music. who like to party yeah which is amazing like party. <laughs> <laughs> but like getting back to star brigade like there, there really isn't a lot of details like uh related to it like we get the the bare bones of the 
the beginnings, you know, Robo Joe, the invention of the the the, the, the pilot, the, the robots, um, and there's not many like extra new names added to the mythos, as it were. Like we have Lunatics Empire, we have the names of these aliens, and then we also get a, a suggestion of galactic authorities on Predacons Falcon. He's his oh, bounty yes. hunter. And the only other name that's new is introduced there is that his only um, loyalty to his is to his tribal clan on the planet Tri Trilenium. Hmm. And that's the only other new name that's kind of like introduced into this. And there's nothing about it, unfortunately. But it's it's just fascinating Look, that it's huge. But it's so each vague. of the aliens <laughs> have like planets of origin, so it does speak to these. Gobbledygook oh, yes, names. Yes, it does have those. I didn't read that. Alphabet soup, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alien name dartboard. Um, but yeah, it's Lobotomax, for instance, has has had history with Predacon. Like mm -hmm. they got into a fight. Predacon inflicted a, a a head wound on Lobotomax, and now he hates everybody and everything. He just goes and lays waste to entire civilizations and now, be it, be it like... lunatics or human. <laughs> But his name kind of suggests that he, he got the name after that happened. But like, so was he? But was he called Lobotomax before that? It kind of almost like it's it's foreshadowing like what's going to happen in his his, his future when he got uh, half his head chopped off in a laser saber duel. Laser saber, oh man! Yes, laser sabers—that's something else mentioned there. Leaning on every every trope they could. Well, then definitely, I had absolute justification for putting lightsabers that i got from the power of the force line the kenner stuff um power of force 2 if you want to be technical the 1995 <laughs> series i used to take those lightsabers and give them to gi joe figures for instance um either tomax or zaymot i just used one of the twins i gave him a batman <laughs> cape on his one shoulder and a lightsaber in his other hand uh, it was definitely a darth vader lightsaber and that was my my new sci-fi ninja jedi character don't know what i called him but it was cool man it gave me license to leap from the tv to the mantelpiece to the couch <laughs> it's like how are you doing that i'm a jedi guys i'm a jedi I... dude i do whatever i want <laughs> i run fast i'm quick <laughs> only that one time only that one time on the trade federation ship yeah geez yeah. we just forgot about how we can do that for the rest of the you know decades of this trilogy of this, Darren, this franchise Darren <laughs> offers you an explanation that Lobot Lobotomax before his lobotomy was just called Max there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> what an absolutely wild time the writers of the writers of the file cards had at this period like they were just going to the beat of their own drum man following their heart and writing a fiction that never saw light in any other media representation. It existed purely on the backs of the action figure cards. Yeah. And I am here for it, man. That's amazing. For sure. It's it's vague enough that it kind of su it suggests things that have happened. There's there's some points of, um, you know, like uh, fixed points. But then it goes so much beyond that where you can just invent and do whatever you want. Like, what is what is What are galactic authorities? You figure it out, kids. What is the Lunatics Empire? You figure it out. You know. I'm going to go out on a um, limb and say that without any media support, this stuff was probably completely ignored. I don't know if any kids really know, hung sure, consequence on 
these file cards. I mean, they were now looking like baseball cards instead of actual like file folder mm-hmm. shapes. So I suppose they're even more forgettable. But the fact that this exists, this oddity of like plotting and narrative is amazing to me now. And it really speaks to like, this used to be someone's job. That person no longer exists. That job title no longer exists. Mm. No one's writing these these stories. And I kind of I feel sad, man. I'm like, oh, we've lost a little bit of like that batshit crazy element of G.I. Joe that like throw anything at the wall, see what sticks. I guess yeah, it comes the 90s hand were an being absolutely a... wild time. Mm. Especially when the death knells were sounding and G.I. Joe was punch drunk and heading for the ropes. <laughs> it's like, try it all. Try it's, it all, eco. Kids like Star Wars. Yeah. DEF. Yeah. Do, do, do kids like drugs? Do kids do they like to... <laughs> <laughs> I like to party it up with the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We've got a question from Tim Wilde, and I'm always oh pleased goodness. to take his questions. Go for it, Tim. Here we go. Would Star Brigade or Space Adventures with G.I. Joe have been more accessible if these attempts were in the 80s? I feel like the 80s space adventures in movies and shows were much more accessible to kids. Hmm. Gosh. Well, I came up in the 90s, and even if there wasn't Star Brigade in G.I. Joe, I would be playing in space. Like, I took my eco-warrior guys, and anyone who had a helmet, removable or not, was effectively a space guy. As long as you didn't have any flesh showing, you could operate in space, and frequently did. So, yeah, it probably would have been... It it would have been more divisive within G.I. Joe, I think. I think I think the effect of it being in the eighties as opposed to the nineties, it was it would be the jump off point for a lot of fans. Because it'd be like, no, not my Joe. My Joe are guys slogging through the jungle. I'm gonna ignore all the space crap. Because space is a divisive device <laughs> in most <laughs> mediums. I mean, Paul's often said on this podcast, He Man went to space to die. And G.I. Joe went to space to die. And people often say that. It didn't do any harm for me and Rob, but we probably yeah, are for sure. Yeah, I think I mean for us, it, it, anything goes or anything went when we when we played as kids. But I think definitely at least earlier on, G.I. Joe was very much grounded in where it was, and especially when Larry Harmer was doing the file cards. I think obviously he had some idea of creating a living, breathing uh, military unit, you know, uh, that fought against this terrorist organization known as Cobra, and. To introduce this much earlier, probably yeah, would have actually been. I don't know. I think it, it yeah would have maybe done more harm than good. Uh, I don't think it, it was a good time. Moment. Yeah, it would have been like that, but in the toys. So I don't think there was any good time to introduce this really. Um, but in my question have, was sorry, I think we might have exceeded the ambit but the question Tim was oh. asking whether <laughs> would it be more accessible it, to kids if more it came accessible. out in the yeah, because then it would have probably had a bit of media buzz surrounding it. Whereas yeah. it's, it's popping up right at the end. It didn't get the lion's share of exposure. It, it was yeah, an ad campaign and, and, and it went. Because, mm. I mean, the, you know, they repainted some, some vehicles for it. Um, they invented completely brand new ones. Uh, the power fighters were, were basically like advanced snake armor. Um, yeah. It's just, it's fascinating. It's just, they just didn't get a chance to to kind of um, come out. But I think uh, definitely 80s, there's probably more like accessible sci-fi going on as well. 
on television and stuff, even just sci-fi-ness, you know, if it's not G.I. Joe specific, I think it might have made it a bit easier for people to get into it. What is like if, a sub-team, yeah. If G.I. Joe had lasted three Sunbow series, we would have seen the Defiant in animated form. And that would make that thing seem less like a white elephant because it's a beautiful, mm. complex, impressive toy. But it just doesn't have any significant like media exposure. We saw it in the comic book, fine. But to see it animated would just put that thing on a whole new level and hopefully make it feel more at home in the G.I. Joe mythology. Like to see, like I know it was animated for the cart, uh, for the um, the ad uh, advertisement, the TV ad, uh, but to see regular Joes interacting with it in a cartoon medium, and let's face it, in Sunbow as early as season one, you had stories where the Joes went to space with their sky strikers, no less. <laughs> hmm? Madness. <laughs> Imagine if they actually had a dedicated sp spaceship. Yeah, the mind races. But shall we close the chapter on narrative in G.I. Joe for now, Robbie, my man? I think so. I think, I mean, like, we did our best. I mean, it, it, trying to, like, kind of piece this together. But I think it, as vague as it is, it's, it's, there's enough there that you can kind of, like, really, it fuels your own adventures. And without any supporting media, that's all it had to do. You know, if you like the look of these figures and you like sci-fi, you could just... Take him, put him in a, in a fighter, and he'll be the greatest fighter pilot ever in the history of, this, of the world. <laughs> I really like the sci-fi that came out in Star Brigade. I'm not talking mm. about the repaint that came with the Starfighter. I'm talking about the yellow sci-fi with that weird, like... Oh, that strange I helmet. I suppose, Death Star Gunner helmet. Um, because he's got integrated into his arm, like, a minigun. Yeah. Hey? They actually is, is he trying lost... new things once again. <laughs> Did he lose an arm? Maybe. I mean, it looks Possibly. like a bat. Looks like a battle android trooper arm, but it's got a mm. minigun integrated into the forearm. I want this figure now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a passing fascination with the Predacon figure because it doesn't gimp the articulation. Like Lobotomax has weird back legs. I don't like that. Uh, carcass does not even go there. The bloody bendy arms. <laughs> <laughs> well, Silliness. I think I mean of the three that, of those aliens that came out, I think Predacon is probably the best. Yeah, the four arms are really nice. Uh, the head sculpt is pretty good. Um, yeah, he's actually probably the most fun looking of them. If I ever had to like try and find one of these, I would probably go for Predacon. There you go. And Tim agrees that uh, space in any kind of media is pretty divisive. And Matthew backs him up with, yep, it is. Just think about Moonraker. Like, oh, gosh, yeah. It is a Some left turn hate that for movie. a blonde. People like that movie. Yeah, I mean, it's so different from everything else. It takes a, a, a certain kind of person to enjoy Moonraker, I think. But I really enjoyed the fact that, like, it gave me an idea of how Astro Vipers would fight in space. Because mm. they had those guys in, like, like maneuvering thrusters or whatever, yeah. EVA backpacks extravehicular activity so with lasers attached them. Zot, zot, zot. <laughs> yeah, man. Rob, uh, I shudder to think, but do you have anything new come in this week? Uh, I do not have anything new, unfortunately. I as I think last week we were talking about... Um, oh, no, no. It was, it was during the, um, the, the 
premiere of the final part of Renegades, which premiered as part of a huge, uh, the single part movie of Renegades. Um, someone mentioned Quick Kick, and I was looking into getting a Quick Kick, but locally, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing good Quick Kick wise. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna start looking internationally. I think on eBay and other places. Um, what is it about Quick Kick, bro? I don't know what it is now. Like literally, someone just mentioned, like it would be so cool. Someone so while while the, the Renegades video is on in the chats, um, someone mentioned, oh, it'd be so cool to see like Quick Kick doing like a, a diehard type thing, and I was like, that is a really cool idea, and it fits. I mean, he's barefoot, and if you like, he's shoot the glass, <laughs> shoot the glass. Now I have a gun. Ho ho ho. <laughs> <laughs> um I, it's just yeah suddenly i want a quick kick it's the same like suddenly like i saw lightfoot you know we were talking about him and this is his uh he's his little drone dude and i'm like he actually looks kind of decent hmm. it's weird cool. i don't know like decades later suddenly you just see toys that that never spoke to you and suddenly now they do you know it's kind of like the opposite of how like the patriot speaks to some people it just says nothing <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it comes back to the point that I made earlier that like each individual figure passed through so many loving hands to eventually become the packaged product that we mm. bought as kids. We took it for granted back then, but now, as I say, I view each one of them as like its own little miracle of development. Hmm. The fact that of all the concepts that were tendered and taken into production, this one made the cut. Lightfoot is the way he is because experts in their field painstakingly ummed and awed, like which, which, which figures will make up this wave? These guys. And went ahead with the production. So like the refinement, the, the intelligence that goes into these concepts. It's just, yeah, man. I, I, I really do. Like every single creation in G.I. Joe has merits even sure. if they were taking shortcuts with weapons trees there is merit to the concept of the figure or the design or the deco like even when it it became evident that like budget constraints were were having a negative effect on the figures there is still merit there there is a lovingly designed artwork somewhere that was produced really selling this figure's design and that just blows my mind. So yeah, Lightfoot is a good one. As far as like explosive ordnance disposal guys, he's interesting. He's not just a dude in green with a mind detector. Exactly. He's a guy in yellow with a mind detector. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely amazing. And not one, but two. Count them. Two lenticulars. Ooh. Come on. Ooh. Hell yeah. How, how can you not love that? How can mm -hmm. you not? But you know you you you're mourning the loss of all of these things that won't get produced again. But thankfully, so many people were inspired by GI Joe and other toy lines that they have gone on to make their own things these days. You know, there's so many mm -hmm. companies like smaller groups of people making stuff like Operation Recall, like uh, what is it, Gridiron Longbow. Studios, Longbow. Um, you know, the guys making the the. the, the what is it called? The head, the flying head thing. <laughs> Roboskull. Roboskull. Not and the Robotopus. Robotopus. <laughs> I mean, they all they were inspired by these fantastic things that they grew up with. And it's cool mm. that 
these people aren't producing these things now, you know, and or even or accessories or producing completely brand new figures based off other stuff that come on, like the Marauders ink stuff, you know, um, mm. accessories as well as new figures of, that they made themselves. So, like, while can mourn the loss of you know this creativity that came from the eighties and the nineties, there's so much more that can be, yeah, that came out of it now, you know, if if you're just willing to look for it and to find it. And give it the light of day, as it were. Well, I and hope you're able do, to do find that. a quick kick and a light foot, my friend. Hell yeah, dude. I'm going to keep looking. Did you get anything mm. new, by the way? Well, it's old news, but uh, I figured <laughs> we've got a bit of time now, so I'm going to touch on it. Bring it out. I had have a... I had have... I have a Tiger Force <laughs> Outback here with you. me. I've also got a Tiger Force Outback back in Cape Town because I have an obsession with this figure. <laughs> the first Tiger Force Outback figure I got, this might be a story known to, to long-time listeners, but I'm going to reiterate it here anyways, just for the sake of completeness. I got it in a trade, a trade for a figure that I saw very little worth in. It was from the 2000s. It was, I think it was a Law and Order um, from a two-pack. Ah, yes. In any case, I got this for no cash. Had no crotch, but otherwise in great condition. Had the flashlight still attached to his leg. And the weekend I got him, if this isn't a lesson in hubris, I don't know what is, a friend's daughter got a hold of him while I was out of the house and dropped him on the tiles and his foot cracked off. Like yeah, his I remember toe. this. And it was heartbreaking to me because I was like, I finally, after pining for this figure, got him at a price <laughs> I was willing to pay. Um <laughs> And and now I've kind of had a rather unfortunate break, which I super glued it back on, but like it wasn't a clean join. Like yeah, I tried. Yeah, you could never be sure of how, how safe it was after that, too. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, not like I'm going to be doing rough play with my very valuable international figure. <laughs> It's a misnomer. It's not international. We got it in South Africa. The fact that oh, I yeah. found this locally for trade uh, speaks to that. So there was some distribution reaching us. But anyways, I then was pining for this figure while I was in Oz. And I was like, I had just gotten him before I flew the country. Um, I want him again. Where can I find a good deal? I wound up finding one for 50 US, which is good for these figures. No crotch yeah. once again. But like... You know, that's those them's the breaks, man. <laughs> you want to find it. <laughs> those a, are the breaks. <laughs> exactly. You want to find an Outback Tiger Force version with his dick, you're going to really bleed for it. <laughs> Hemorrhage your credit card, that is. But anyways, I um I got this uh, delighted with it and, and it, it, it fulfills an urge that I'd always felt. All the while, however, I was trying to, on the cheap, find the part to replace the previous Outback. I was like, that would be first prize. That, you know, because hopefully I could find the legs just on the cheap. And mm. they never popped up and they never popped up and they never popped up. So I bought another Outback. But as luck would have it, bloody hell, someone was selling pots. Like it was a, a roughed up <laughs> head and some arms that both had cracks and then legs, just the legs. And I was like, oh, that's what I needed this whole time. I just needed the legs. Bloody hell. <laughs> so I bought the legs for you know, cents on the dollar. Um, now I feel kind of stupid that I bought the other one. But I suppose, yeah, another Tiger Force Outback in the collection 
could never hurt. I can now pick and choose which is my favorite kitty shirt and then use the other one in play motion and, and movies and rough them up a bit and not care too much. But yeah, I've, I've got a unbroken foot. Yay! There we go. It's going to get married back to the original figure in October. Exactly. I can't wait. Oh, man. I've got so much stuff here that will complete toys back home. And that <laughs> gets me giddy. I am so excited about the prospect of taking stuff and completing childhood toys. Just the other day, I was thinking of like the fact that no one likes Battle Call Grunt. And yet he was our Grunt, Rob. Mm -hmm. And for yeah. a time, I lost that figure and then got him again. But I remember before I lost the figure, he was a favorite of mine. For some reason, I just he just was he was just an action hero. Something Must about him just screamed at you. Well, that flat top with the jerry curl, the the big guns and the brown shirt, like you know, he had like an open collar. He was just he was just a dude, man. Um, very much kind of the central action figure of my collection at the time, my kind of Duke surrogate, if you will. Yeah, Greek um, lightning. Lost, yeah, with a bag of smokes in the sleeve. <laughs> lost his helmet, I recall. Like he was mm. helmetless for a while, and that was that was a shame. Like the accessories, the other accessories, the weapons, take it or leave it. You can arm him any way you want, but like you wanted his specific helmet because it fits best on his head. And it was a kind of a rubbery plastic, and it had a paint app. Like the goggles were picked out in a different color, which he definitely, you know, had the edge over guys like Hawk or Mutt. You know, guys that had sculpted goggles but no paint. Mm. So, you know, Grunt, he was standing head and shoulders above them. Anyways, lost the helmets. Very sad. Then lost the figure. Even more sad. Got the figure again and the helmet. Glad. But then flash forward like 20-something years, and I'm in my parents' garden, I don't know, working out, doing some exercise. I look down and I see something kind of smooth and green. <laughs> Lo and behold, it's Grunt's helmet. The original Grunt. Well, my original Grunt from back in the day. The one that I lost. <laughs> and that helmet. Battle scars and orcs. I'm sure it's had many stones kicked over it or lawnmowers passed over it. That helmet is the one that is on Grunt's head now. Hell yeah. Because I'm sentimental, bro. I want that piece. You definitely a piece that has seen the years. Mm. Anyways, I'm off on a tangent, aren't I? Give us a little, <laughs> a little bit of Rob's love and scoopful, Robbie. And okay, pick so... any comment, like it could be from Renegades, even. Like we've got uh, some lovely content that had been unveiled in the past week. Um, RC Mauler expose, and then the Renegades film. There's, there's too much to choose from there's just mm. uh, once again people are still loving the intro <laughs> they just won't shut up about the intro <laughs> i'm thinking i'm gonna vary it maybe throw in an easter egg or two so uh, eagle-eyed viewers on the youtube <laughs> version of this podcast anyway yeah uh, check it yeah i mean the music will still always be the same but uh, the, <laughs> it might you know might see something different um but no i, I went straight to tank talk uh 256 and um yeah some some good people absolutely loved um Mola joe they so happy about him joining us uh, on on the episode um, fantastic guest yeah absolutely yeah absolutely amazing action robot punch said this was even better than the gi joe and transformers mashups <laughs> so I, I i thought it was really cool but um <clears throat> so m nop um he 
who I mentioned previously, who loves the Patriot, um, he mentioned, um, I just have to say how much I loved Molinjo's insights. What a cool guy. Loved his playtime. It would have been wild to see. In particular, I think it would be awesome to see a turn-based strategy game with the new classified figures used. And then in parenthesis, which speaks to a point that, you know, that this episode is about essentially, he says, they have great detail, which would lend its itself perfectly the kind of depth required. So he goes on to say something like a tabletop version of XCOM. It would be awesome to bring those figures to life, which at the moment, without expanded media, he says, are really just shelf statues. Mm. <laughs> uh, which I mean, obviously we're not the only people that felt, uh, you know, and the person who asked the original question, um, you who picked up on this, um, that there is no expanded media or there is no extra life to bring the classified figures to life yet, you know, other than people's own imaginations. Well, they kicked things off with the Operation Blackout video game, mm. which, uh, you know, had mixed receptions to begin with. And has died a swift death along with its designs. Um, so that's sad. There was talk of like a like a triple A, is that the correct term? Triple yeah. A title. Triple A video game. But that's gone quiet. <laughs> and similarly, you know, talk of the live action Lady J series. Um, do you remember? I haven't that? heard anything of that for ages. Well, not since the original announcement that there was a showrunner announced for it. Mm. Like mm, Okay. So for now, at help. least, uh, we it is literally just the, those awesome photo shoots that they're doing with each classified figure to actually fire up the imagination for those specific characters. But there's no overall narrative. Um, I'd be curious to hear people's ideas of like what what do you think the world of classified is like? I mean, you know, initially they came with like laser pistols. They had very interesting like weird gold designs, but then they kind of shifted more to. Uh, more classic retro looks for most characters. Is there a story that you have in your mind that the classified figures occupy? Uh, or is it just uh, importing you know, versus wholesale? Cobra? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's cutting and pasting whatever part of the canon you find favor with. Yeah. Like, uh, they, this, this, this takes me back to the, the Sky Striker HasLab where they constantly kind of painted the picture of taking off in your sky striker to defend the pit from like cobra jets you know they, they very much lead mm. into that opening sequence from master vice the adventures yeah. of gi joe uh where those delta dot looking cobra jets were attacking i think they called it the diamond diamondbacks um mm. they were attacking gi joe's base um but then the Haslab team called it the pit which conflates both like the animated series hq and the comic book like i'm like oh guys they're different things anyway totally different yeah they're talking about <laughs> like they're talking about the that sequence which is very much the cartoon thing but then they're talking about the pit in staten island i'm like oh okay anyways they seem to lean into a narrative and i expected more but no it really just begins and ends with like a kind of a a, a summary of like the comic i mean the cartoon not the comic yeah essentially i mean what the what it is is almost it's like the pitch you know it's when mm -hmm. the designer comes to them with the figure he's like imagine him yes. in the jungle and he's fighting uh cobra vipers and bats oh, oh, oh isn't outback amazing and then yeah that's so cool <laughs> let's make him 
or like you know imagine the sky striker taking off from the pit and protecting us against the things that's essentially what we're going with is this there's a small story to go with each figure but there's no overarching narrative that kind of links everything together like what do these new versions well, of these characters do well we know that the death of the file cards came with the fact that the packages are multilingual and they're not going to mm. move on that they're not going to have like an english language package with yeah. a file card and like a kind of a text of i mean they've tried the before with like digital stuff on the website but even that i didn't think lasted long i don't think the website's being updated they're not using That's it as I'm a saying, vehicle you know so but but if they did then we'd have an easy access to like how Hasbro conceive or the GI Joe Hasbro team conceive this world being stitched together? Like, yeah, sure, it'll take money, but certainly less money than like changing the packaging and, and, and investing yeah, that sure. way. Like, get a hot shit website design and direct our traffic to it to learn crazy. how this world stitches together. Like, because we've got, I think they're char character bios, and you can learn what the kind of the various symbols yeah, on the sides I mean, of the it's classified box out mean. of date i mean and it's mm. not i feel like that's the one thing missing from classified is there isn't an overall narrative because what what brings us always back to gi joe was the stories on the back of the mm. file cards was the comic books the expanded media but even without all of that just literally people have gone off the backs of the file cards yeah with just and a the competitive, or something you know the competitors like action force by valiverse they know the yes, importance of narrative and fantastic and that because that drives you you're interested to know who these characters are how do they fit together and it makes you want comic to get the new character that comes out yeah there's a file there's a card on book. each package so yeah it's, it's a pity that the the originators of this concept have allowed it to fall by the wayside it's of vital importance it's part of the the dna and you know, I smaller think companies yeah, like Valiverse story. Yeah. and Skeletron, they they identify how important these stories are and they're telling them. But um, yeah, the big dog has gotten complacent, I guess. Anyways, well, on that <laughs> rather sad note. <laughs> I they may think be we're complacent, leave... but they're still making money and people are still buying this stuff. So the stories don't bother so many people. We're getting gorgeous toys with no story. <laughs> <laughs> give me a story i like good stories yeah yep, yep. take me to just space. like the lunatics empire and the star brigade <laughs> oh delight oh goodness and on that thanks as always <laughs> yeah thanks as always to the guys in the chats and the guys listening to this on the replay the guys in the berg force we've got our illustrious team our Patreon on a roll. Thanks for joining the team, guys. Thanks for sponsoring us. Thanks for everyone for listening forever. For sure, for sure. Thanks Thank everyone for listening. For keeping the lights on as well as well as they can be kept on. Um, and yeah, thank you everyone for for joining us and listening in. Hopefully, Paul will be here next week. Hopefully, we'll both be here. Um, uh, Low shedding gods, you know, willing. We'll 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 see what happens. And yeah, join us. What will we say next time? <laughs> who knows we don't even no, know no one knows we'll find out when we talk about it afterwards <laughs> yo joe yo joe berg berg <laughs>